Hello, welcome. Thanks for dropping into time in the studio. This is a space for helping you nurture yourself, your creativity, and the planet. In this podcast, we often dive into art, herbalism, creativity, birth work, and so much more. Today's episode is a chat with my friend and a full spectrum doula, herbalist, and flower essence practitioner. Bonnie McIntosh. We dive into how abortion is healthcare. And this conversation took place about a month ago, soon after the ending of Roe v. Wade. Um, And yeah, we dive into topics of loss, miscarriage, abortion, and trauma. So just something to be aware of um, if you have little ones around and uh, yeah, just something to know. Uh, A couple things that I found really helpful in this chat that I just want to kind of tease out and let you know about. We talk about different flower essences and herbs for working with resilience. And stay tuned to hear some of our favorites. Bonnie also shared the importance of tending to yourself and doing work from a place of love rather than fear. And connecting with Bonnie about the subject was so healing for me and really opened my eyes to how I want to get more involved, especially with the Colorado Doula Project. Um, we really focus about focus on that organization and they're doing some amazing things and helping people that um, are coming from all over the world for their support. And we also touch on how we have to tend to our own spirits before trying to help anyone else and talk about how when trauma is driving the ship, things don't go well. And isn't life so full of synchronicities and beautiful connections? So as I was feeling despair last month, I got an email from Luke Simon. You may remember him from an earlier podcast episode. And he shared that he was doing a 30-day challenge of 30 minutes of mindfulness. Um, So he encouraged 10 minutes of breath work, 10 minutes of movement, whatever you want that to look like, and 10 minutes of meditation each day. And I never even attended any calls. I never even messaged him and let him know I was doing this or met with anyone in the group. But just knowing that someone was holding space for this time of reflection and healing held me accountable and was really helpful. I meditated more in that month than I normally do. So yeah, I really felt like that was really beneficial. So just want to offer that as a little possibility for you. Uh, If you want to add in more meditation, uh, you could even just start with three minutes of deep breathing, dance to a song for a few minutes, and then meditate for three minutes. and you could try working with a flower essence. Borage was really helpful for me last month. And then in the last episode, I talked about buttercup um, for working with confidence and kind of building your um, appreciation for yourself in your work and building confidence. And it's been so helpful. I feel like my business is kind of pivoting and shifting in these really fun ways. and stepping more into teaching and yeah just more willing to put my work out there so it's really feeling good a little bit about bonnie bonnie mcintosh is an abortion and miscarriage doula a clinical herbalist and reproductive justice activist she strives to help people cultivate a relationship with plants as a birthright and reconnect people to their body bodily sovereignty She spent her upbringing between parents in Flagstaff, Arizona and Crozet, Virginia, instilling in her a deep love of the desert and the plants that call it home. And she believes we have much, they have much to teach us about resilience. And it's so true. Like you think of, you know, when you're walking in the hills here where it can be so dry or in the mountains where when it's really dry and there's just these plants breaking through the cracks and surviving somehow like oh it's just really inspiring another thing we want to touch on um 
we want to acknowledge that all identities need access to abortion, not just women. And in order to normalize and destigmatize abortion, it is important to share the spectrum of experiences and identities of people who have them. This includes queer, non-binary, trans, and intersex folks, in addition to cis women. So lots of people need abortions and should have access to them. And I strongly advocate for people having the right to do what is right for them and create a life with intention and with the freedom to make their own decisions about their bodies. Oh, and if you're new here, I am Sarah Marie Miller. I'm an artist, herbalist, and postpartum doula. I'm living on the unceded territories of the Arapaho, Ute, and Cheyenne nations, also known as Boulder, Colorado and just want to give a shout out and so much gratitude for this land and for the people who came before and i'm so grateful for you thank you for being here and if you love this podcast please share it with a friend you could post it to social media if you tag me in instagram with at time in the studio podcast i'll be sure to reshare it so i appreciate that you could leave a review wherever reviews are found you could do that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash time in the studio. So much gratitude for the patrons who make this show possible because there's, you know, all these little membership fees that I have to pay for to keep this going. And it's such a labor of love, but so fun. I'm so grateful for everyone I get to connect with on this show. And a big shout out to my friend Aaron Travers for the show music. You can also find his other real full musical project, Emptier, on Spotify. So good. And if you want to grab my free tea ritual workbook that I just made, it's so fun. It's a couple recipes of tea blends that I really like. And then my favorite way to brew tea and then a monthly reflection just looking at the month that just occurred and looking at the month ahead and kind of envisioning how you want things to manifest and what you feel excited about what you want to release what you want to call in and attract Um, so yeah really fun simple workbook you can grab that uh, at my website that's at www.timeinthestudio.com And a brief update too, I'm also gonna be teaching an eight-week course on making food your medicine, connecting with plant wisdom, and teaching you how to make simple, non-toxic body care products for yourself. And there's gonna be some fun creative plant prompts, and uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be a real blast. So you can join the waitlist to learn more. Uh, I'm still kind of creating the outline and the structures and, what I want it to look like. So you can't sign up yet, but you can just get on the wait list to get more information. Um, And that's at www.timeinthestudio.com. And I'm gonna make that available to the wait list first. And it's, I'm only gonna do a small group for this first founders round, and it's gonna have a lot of extra fun bonuses. So now is a good time to join that. Um, You get to be with me live through the experience and kind of help me mold the class a little bit, you know, just letting me know what do you want to learn about and we can really focus in on what you want and it'll include some one-on-one time if there's anything that you're working through. I know for me, I was able to overcome Lyme disease and chronic illness and mold illness from... uh, mostly diet just eating different foods and drinking really delicious teas so yeah i found food and herbs to be such good medicine and flower essences my goodness flower essences have been so helpful oh my gosh well i'm yeah so much gratitude for you for being here let's get into this episode cha 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 Oh my gosh, Bonnie McIntosh, thank you so much for making this time. It's an honor to have you here. 
Oh, for me too. I'm so excited to get to talk about something that I care really deeply about. I know we've known each other for years and years and connected through herbalism and plants and flower essences. And I've been able to have a few flower essence sessions with you, which were always incredible and mind blowing. I know you do a lot of work with reproductive justice. And as the recent Roe v. Wade was overturned, I was just kind of... Mm had the rug pulled out from under me and just kind of traumatized by that even though I know people have been chipping away at these rights for years it just felt like a huge blow to Mm -hmm. our country and to human rights in general and I realized I need to talk to Bonnie so yeah thank you for being here yeah wow thanks for thinking of me there's so many people who are doing this work you know I think you work with such integrity and in such beautiful ways. How would you describe your work and where are you currently? Yeah, I'm actually in a really good place emotionally right now. I'm, I feel like I'm finally kind of coming out of the initial grief rage storm and mm-hmm. able to put my energy into things that feel helpful. And I've also been, for the past few years, really exploring what it means to me to cultivate resilience, because I think our landscape is only going to continue to be tumultuous. So I've been kind of just fascinated with what that means to cultivate resilience, and I've been trying to implement some of these things. And I I feel like I'm in a better place now than maybe I would have been if I hadn't been working towards that. And you mentioned that it came as such a shock and it was shocking. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have been preparing for this for a number of years. So it wasn't, it was Mm -hmm. still very shocking, but I think the expectation that it was coming was probably less of a blow for me personally than for a lot of people. But yeah, as far as how I describe my work, I'm a clinical herbalist and nutritionist like yourself. And I went to the Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism and graduated in 2017 and did their flower essence program and their herbal and nutrition programs. So that does influence my work a lot as a doula, just in the perspective that I have when looking at health. I also am a full spectrum doula. And I think when people hear the word doula, they automatically think of birth. And I am passionate about birth. I love birth work. It's been my dream for years and years to become a midwife. I did birth some birth work at a hospital in Denver for a while in a program that was about providing support to incarcerated pregnant people and low-income families. So I do love birth work, but being a doula is so much more than just the birth aspect. Mm. I use the term full spectrum to encompass this because it sort of encapsulates abortion and miscarriage, you know, postpartum, there's all kinds of experiences that fall within reproductive health. Full spectrum, the the term isn't perfect because I think sometimes it can imply that birth and abortion are at the ends, either end of a spectrum and like they're opposite. When in reality, they are not siloed experiences, you know, meaning they're, they're really part of the same thing. Yeah. But for now, full spectrum is the best term that I have. So yeah, that's kind of encompasses what I do. Yeah, there is this idea of abortion being so separate from birth. And there is, and they're so connected, actually. And there's this idea that like, pregnancy is somehow a neutral state. And it is not it is a state that puts a mother's life at risk through the entire pregnancy. And so as you're in this state of like creation, you're also in this dance with risk and possible death at all times. It's not neutral. And I think those two things are not so different from each other. They're actually interwoven in many ways. So thank you for that reminder. And Totally. And that little pin, we need to find a new word for that. Full spectrum doesn't encompass 
what it could really be. And I, I love the, your history, your experience with herbalism and how that connects with birth work. And I'm curious, you know, you talked about resiliency and being in a more resilient state now. And I've similarly, like I've just been trying to drink so much Hawthorne tea and just, yeah, having plants that are really resourcing me because Mm. yeah, there was just so much grief and rage the first the first week after Roe v. Wade. And so I think building resilience is so important. I'm curious if there's things that you've found that have helped you to feel more resilient. So the the thing that has made the biggest difference for me is actively working on my trauma. I think most people are walking around with unknowingly a lot of the times with their trauma being what is driving the ship. And mm-hmm. we don't even realize how that impacts the way that we show up in the world and the way that it literally reprograms our nervous systems and impacts, you know, the way our physical health looks too. And I feel like when people are existing in this state it's harder to remain resilient because our nervous systems are already so taxed. So for me, what that has looked like is the last over two years, I've been, you know, doing so much work with my therapist, doing EMDR therapy for trauma, of course, taking herbs. I just started something called neurofeedback, which is a whole other thing, but it's, it it can be really great for people with trauma. And I do feel like I'm, finally seeing results. It, it takes a while, you know, for things to shift with this mm-hmm. picture, but I just have a deep suspicion that if more people had access to trauma-informed, you know, care and trauma therapy, many of us would be so much more resilient in the face of what is to come. Hmm. Oof, that is so true. And it's interesting. I can see that idea of like trauma informing how you are in the world. And I feel I, I was operating from that place, just discovering the Roe v. Wade being overturned was traumatic to me. And then I was kind of addicted to that trauma. Like I was waking up, I was listening to the news every morning and I was doom scrolling and just getting really like worked up into this, anxious frenzy in my head and it was like and then I was operating from that place I'm like this is not helping anyone (laughs) and it's not it's not beneficial so I I'm like okay I want to be informed and I need to balance that with like being aware of my nervous system and you know making time to breathe and meditate and get into like a more grounded place because yeah, when trauma is driving the ship, it doesn't go well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. And that's why I love that phrase that rest and taking care of ourselves is an act of resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, <laughs> in quotes, they don't want us to rest. They want us to be mm-hmm. tired, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the, the resistance or whatever you want to call it needs us well rested and needs us nourished and it's of course a privilege to be able to do that and to be able to not think about these horrible things that are happening to a lot of people and so I like that reminder of just yeah finding ways to resource yourself and to Mm -hmm. be resilient because I think the next number of years decades resilience is required at this point I'm curious, your work with doula work, with birth work, and with healing, with herbalism, like what brought you into this realm? Like, how did you get called into this work that you're doing? Well, let's see. So I think probably the first thing that was sort of on my radar was midwifery, because my aunt was a home birth midwife for decades, and she still is, and she was my mom's midwife and delivered me. 
and it, oh. you know, it was this story that was like really special in my family that my mom got to have a home birth with me and she gave birth in a cabin in the mountains in Wyoming. It was like a whole thing. So I always knew about midwifery because of my aunt's work. My aunt also had a very intense and traumatic miscarriage that became a story in my family. So I grew up knowing this story about this very traumatic miscarriage. And it was, you know, really hard because she, she was the midwife. There was, there was nobody really around to support her in the way that it might look a little different today. And so, yeah, that, that kind of stuck with me. And I think that was, that was the first exposure that I had to like reproductive health. And then let's see in 2011, I moved to Boulder from Virginia and I, I moved alone. I didn't know anybody and I really wanted to find community. So I, I remember I found Craigslist ad for a co-op house and I moved into this co-op and it was amazing. And I just immediately felt so, so at home and I was exposed to so many ideas and identities and, and ways of being and thinking that I never would have before. And so that included abortion. Abortion really was not something that was talked about in my family. And it certainly wasn't an option if I'd ever needed that growing up. So that was kind of my first exposure to all that. And it also was my, my exposure to herbalism. One of the people that I was living with at the time was going to the herb school when Paul was there. And I was like, you know what, that's, that's it. This is what I'm supposed to do. And it took me years to figure out how to make it happen, but that's how I found the school and eventually went. So then back, backtrack a little bit. When I was living in the co-op, I had a few different friends at different points have unwanted pregnancies and need abortions. And so I, you know, supported them in various ways through that. And it just sort of ignited something in me. I, I just realized that it was something I really wanted to learn more about. And it was clear that there was a need for that type of support. And I didn't really understand why it wasn't more talked about. Yeah. So I became really intrigued and just tried to learn everything that I could about being an abortion doula, the process of abortion and miscarriage too. I think that kind of I mean, that's also a very stigmatized experience and people are often left in the dark there as well. And it's so common. I and it's so common. I, I read somewhere, I think one in five women will have a miscarriage or something. Statistics are always changing. So I might look this up again, but I mean, I think it's like half of all pregnancies end before the person even knows they're pregnant. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it just, it's, it's just a part of it. It's super. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So then what really kind of solidified things for me. So I guess I, I ended up joining the Colorado Duo project in like 2015, maybe. And at the time it was just a small group of folks. And our goal was to provide free abortion doulas to anybody that requested it. And then a couple years after that, Again, I was still living in community. I was living in a co-op. And as a co-op, we would host a lot of people through couchsurfing.com, which if you don't know what that is, it's this wonderful, it used to be a, I, I hope it's still in existence, but it used to be this website where people can travel, you know, all over the world and be hosted by locals. And it's a great way to meet people. It's a great way to get to see an area authentically. I used it a lot when I was in Nepal. And so we hosted a lot of people from all over the place and it was so fun. And one day we got this request from this lady who lived in Turkey. And she said, hey, my sister and I are coming to Boulder. One of the only late-term abortion clinics in the country is there. And my sister needs a late-term abortion. And we're trying to save money you know, the procedure itself costs $10,000. Wow. I sold my car to try to afford the plane tickets. And we're, you know, we, we just really can't afford a hotel. 
Yeah. And my best friend who was also in the Colorado Dealer Project and I were just like, oh my God, like this is, <laughs> we're so down to do this, you know, so glad you, you found us. And the Turkish woman said, yeah, we, we've actually sent over a hundred requests and all of them have been no because they were very wow. explicit about why they were coming there. So that, that was such wow. a informative experience. They came and they stayed for about a week because that's how long the procedure took. Um, it was very arduous for the, the gal getting it. I have this really specific memory coming home and one day and just seeing the, the sisters who had fallen asleep on our couch, like holding each other. Mm. I just, it was like this really, you know, I just couldn't even imagine all the things that they had been through to get there. Mm. They said that their parents didn't know, you know, why they were there. And my best friend gave up her room for the week so they could have a door to close, which was so sweet. But yeah, it made us realize there is such a need for mm. this specific type of support because when they were in the the late-term clinic you know just in the waiting room there was someone from Spain there were people from all over the country I mean we most people don't even know that it exists but we are I I just tried to find out exactly how many late-term clinics are left I can only find one other one that is still open other than this one there were more I don't know if you've if you're familiar with this whole thing, one of them was run by Dr. Tiller, who trained a lot of these late-term providers, and he was killed by a pro-life fanatic while he was at church. Oh my god! And it, you know, it's just, it's it's wild. This this provider in Boulder has, yeah. So he he's dedicated his life to this. He's in his 80s. He there's bulletproof glass around the clinic he lives in an undisclosed location i mean yeah it's it's the real deal and yeah it's it's been you know this has been the climate for a while so i can only imagine what you know rose overturning will add mm. yeah i mean do you foresee it increasing people's intensity against abortion or to protect abortion like or both i think both i i think both like with a lot of things a lot of issues i feel like we are seeing more more extremes on both ends you know yeah so i guess backtracking a little bit with this experience of hosting these these gals it really opened up my our eyes to what kind of support was needed. And so with the Colorado Dual Project, we made what's called the ASN or the Abortion Support Network. So now what people can do is they go onto the website and fill out a form with all the different types of options as far as what kind of support they need. So they can choose, you know, a ride to and from the appointment, a ride to and from the airport, doula support, housing if needed or just you know food it it can be kind of a lot of different things and nowadays most of the requests that we get are for rides to and from the airport and rides to the appointment that's such an amazing offering i'm so glad and i just want to let listeners know the colorado doula project they're a great organization to donate to so if you can yes. donate funds or time it's a great organization to support because you're helping people from all over the world right now that's incredible yeah and you know even before roe was overturned colorado sat in the middle of an abortion desert so we would get lots of people coming here even for for early term terminations when Texas passed its bill, the number of requests that we got just exploded because Mm -hmm. now people had to come here just to receive medication. You know, I mean, when that's something that is so easily done in the privacy of your own home, you know? So yeah, with Roe being overturned, I mean, we're, we're anticipating that the 
it's going to, to put a huge strain on the infrastructure that we do have. So we are definitely always looking for more volunteers. And yeah, of course, donating is, is very helpful too, to, to keep the work going. Yeah. I'm, this is like a silly question and, but why does it matter if Roe v. Wade is overturned? Like why, what difference does that make? Yeah, that's, that's not a silly question. It's definitely a hard, (laughs) this is hard for me because on the one hand, I am so sick of putting energy into trying to convince people why anything matters. Mm. Because it's so, I mean, it's like, no one's going to change my mind. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I probably am not going to change anyone else's mind, but I can tell you why it matters to me. Yeah. So first of all, abortion is healthcare period. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. Abortion is healthcare. It is. (laughs) You know? Yeah. You should care also because overturning Roe means forced birth in a country where Black people are three times more likely to die in birth. It is more risky to continue a pregnancy to full term than it is to have an abortion. So let that sink in. It means forced birth in a country where gun violence is the number one cause of death in children and teens. It means forced birth in the only wealthy country that does not guarantee parental leave. I mean, there's there's so many reasons why Mm. it matters. In many states, there is this legal concept of fetal personhood which I don't know if you've heard of, but essentially it's basically where a a clump of fetal cells has just as much or more rights than the person carrying those cells. So an abortion can be prosecuted as homicide. And many people suspect that in the case of miscarriage or even using contraception, you know, there's, there's a gray area there and people can be criminally surveilled for having a miscarriage. Oh my God. Is it, so terrifying yeah the legal ramifications for someone who let's say was raped the the repercussions for them to find and you know choose an abortion is more than the person who actually raped them so it's yeah it's not good if that doesn't make you angry i mean Another reason why someone should care is Roe was a precedent for other rights, mm-hmm. right to gay marriage, privacy in the bedroom, the right to contraception, interracial marriage. All of these things are now at stake. We said this was only the beginning years ago. We knew this was coming. And not 24 hours after the overturning, Justice Clarence Thomas said that all of these other cases should be reexamined. I mean, they're... Mm. They're coming for this. Um, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. I can feel it in my cells and I just try to not be so furious with rage. I just don't quite know what to do with that energy. And then at the same time, Republicans are making voting more difficult. So this yeah. is, you know, it, this is interconnected with Roe. I mean, yeah, m- making it just more and more difficult, especially for people of color in certain areas to vote. So I'm curious, any suggestions that you have for what people can do right now to tend to themselves, to tend to this situation, ways to be resilient in the face of this nightmare? So... I think as far as things that people can do right now, I would say pick an organization and connect with them. So much matters right now. You know, there are so many organizations that have already been doing the work. They already have the organization. They already have the infrastructure. There's really no need to reinvent the wheel. I think sometimes people in in the immediate, especially in the immediate aftermath of something like this, feel like, 
really overwhelmed, like, okay, we have to like create this whole new thing. When, you know, in reality, there are probably organizations local to you that have been doing the work, you know, so it's way more efficient to plug into something that already exists, especially trying to find organizations that are led by people of color. I, I think it's really important to, to listen to people of color doing this activist work and find out what they need, you know, like how yeah. can we support them? Because especially with this issue, marginalized communities are going to be the ones, you know, that are so deeply affected. I mean, all of us will, but I think, I mean, this is, this is no exception, you know, this, mm-hmm. this issue. So finding something that you, you feel like you can connect with either getting involved or donating, you can look up the national network of abortion funds. So they have a list of funds all over the country. I think it's just abortionfunds.org. I also would say that it's important to try to spread information, to spread mm-hmm. accurate information, especially in the context of how safe it is to have an early abortion at home with the use of medication. Mm-hmm. A lot of still don't know that this is a really accessible feasible option i mean it has it's there are so many studies there's so much literature that people can look up about how safe it is and we are so lucky that nowadays we can actually order it online yeah so people can go to aid access or plan c pills of course this is i mean it's a very unpredictable landscape right now so this could change but as of now it seems like even in the states where abortion is completely overturned, they will still be able to order the medication because the Department of Justice has said that they don't agree with the Supreme Court's decision. And misoprostol, one of the pills used, is FDA approved, which is a federally regulated body. So I think just spreading education about that is huge. And trying to take yeah. care of ourselves as best we can. Yeah. Are there any plants or flower essences that you really like to use to support yourself through times of stress or that you use with clients? Anything that you found to be helpful in different situations? Yeah. One of my favorite plants is Tulsi. Oh, um, yes. I'm sure it's one of your favorites too. <laughs> I really feel like Tulsi is one of the plants that is here for our resilience. I mean, it's just so incredible for chronic stress and acute stress, you know, in the moment. I find it to be a heart relaxant and a heart exhilarant. It can help lower cortisol. I mean, it's, it's so, there's so many applications for it. And I, I feel like it's so nourishing to our nervous system and and like our vitality in general so i love tulsi i love albizia or mimosa that's one of my favorite heart supportive plants for the deep grief that we are feeling and the anxiety that comes Mm -hmm. with that it's so nourishing to the spiritual heart or the shen chinese medicine and i also really like to use red clover flower essence oh yes you mentioned that to me the other day and I read through a description of it and it's for mass hysteria and group think. And I was like, oh my God, this is so important right now. Red clover is, that is a brilliant, brilliant suggestion. Yeah. I love it so much because like, as you read, you know, it's indicated when there's like, for example, civil unrest or any kind of group agitation around us. So I feel like this is especially crucial for activists, you know, who are mm-hmm. sort of exposed to this all, all day, every day. But even, even people who are not activists, I think we all are sensitive to the climate, you know, around us. So that one's a favorite. And I also really like cherry plum flower essence because it helps me channel the rage into energy that I can utilize. Mm, that's a great idea. Yeah, I've been... I love borage too. Borage Mm -hmm. has been a helpful one just for like 
bringing in a little bit more light. Totally. Yeah. Borage is another one I've been using a lot too. Lately, yeah. especially. Yeah. It's so helpful. I'm curious, is there a struggle or anything that you've been through that you feel like has defined your path and kind of directed you? Yeah, I would say I've, you know, I've had my own pelvic health struggles and through my story and other people's stories, it has been made clear to me how trauma, especially sexual trauma, is stored in the pelvis. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is even acknowledged in mainstream Western medicine that often pelvic pain is a side effect of sexual trauma. You know, in fact, a lot of times if you go in and say, you know, I've, I have pelvic pain and they know that you have a history of sexual trauma, they'll be like, well, well, you know, that's just, it's probably nothing that happened to me. You know, they, well, it's it's probably nothing. You just, you just have a history of, of sexual trauma, really advocate for yourself within the medical complex, but yeah, it's been my experience that when we can address and heal to the best of our abilities from our trauma, a host of physical symptoms and even disease pathways can resolve. I think many, many people have abortion trauma and birth trauma and miscarriage mm-hmm. trauma too, people I know. Mm-hmm. And so I think as a full spectrum doula, we have the opportunity to help people reclaim this area of our reproductive autonomy Mm -hmm. and do our part to help it be a positive experience instead of a traumatic one. That is so incredible. I think that's such a good, we forget that the body keeps, like it's like that book, the Mm -hmm. body keeps the score. Our bodies hold cellular memories and it, unless we work through it, it remains there. I have I have to have my friend Stacy on the show again sometimes. Stacy Ramsauer, she is a, does a lot of work with pelvic pain and trauma mm-hmm. and somatic therapy and awareness and yoga and incorporates a lot of different tools together. But just thinking about that pain element and so it is so common for postpartum women to have pelvic pain mm-hmm. for months or years after birth and there is so much in my opinion obstetric violence that happens in birth in our current hospital setting for birth like it's yeah there is just so much trauma and force that is imposed upon women in birth yeah and and not you know (laughs) non-consent yeah yeah it's really it's horrifying yeah when I, when I support someone through their miscarriage or abortion and birth too, but, but especially these sort of more shadowy experiences, it is just so clear to me that I'm doing what I'm supposed to. It's so fulfilling supporting someone in making the best decision for their situation, whatever that decision yeah. is. I think part of my work as an herbalist, part of our work as herbalists is to help people reclaim their connection to their bodies and to their health. And abortion is no different. You know, it's the reclamation of your bodily sovereignty. Whatever small part I can play in empowering people to do that is what makes me feel the most alive. Oh my God. I, that is so beautiful. Yes. I mean, I think <laughs> that body sovereignty and empowering people to do what's right for them to create the life that they want with intention and with choice to do what they want is crucial and no one should be allowed to force that onto anyone else it's unacceptable it's such a wild concept to me that a group of people deemed supreme (laughs) you know it just doesn't make any sense to me that anybody could think that they have some sort of right to decide that for somebody else it's it's wild and it's also like people have been managing their fertility 
since there have been humans, you know, mm-hmm. happening as long as we've been having babies. Like I, it's just, yeah. it's, it's so wild. It's hard for me to wrap my brain around. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I think people have been in charge of their fertility, you know, either through just being aware of their cycles or plant medicine since people were started being people. (laughs) Is there anything that you have coming up that you want us to know about? Sure. Yeah. I'm currently working on a workshop with a couple other people that will be available online. That's about abortion doula skills and, you know, what a typical early term abortion looks like and how to support people through that with like, you know, practical skills and foods and things like that. And I don't have a date for that yet. We're in the process of like recording it and making it available as a course. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I want to take that. That sounds incredible. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. And I'm also planning on offering a workshop on cultivating resilience just with, you know, some of the tools that I've found to be helpful. I also don't have a date for that yet. This is just sort of something I've been thinking about, but I think I'll probably offer that in the next couple of months. So yeah, that's, that's what I've got going on. What is something you're proud of? Something that I'm proud of is the birth of the ASN or the abortion support network. That's definitely something I'm proud of because it's, I mean, it, I, I'm just so amazed at how it has just taken off. And, you know, I mean, we get so many requests from people and I, I foresee it just continuing to grow. Yeah, that's something that I'm proud of. And, you know, another thing I, I am proud of is like, I don't have, I don't have a lot of support from my, from certain people in my family around this type of work that I'm doing and you know it really sucks it sucks to not feel like I have that familial like you know especially the the women that I come from I wish that those people could could see me and Mm -hmm. be like we are so proud of what you're doing you know this is this is a hard fight yeah and I'm still doing it because I know that this is right. So it is. I, I agree. <laughs> That's okay. You just you just keep going. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you. And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm cheering you on. I'm so thankful for the work that you do. What is something you're excited about in the year ahead? Gosh, this is a great question too, because you know, for the last couple of years, I've just kind of been like putting my head down, putting all my energy into like my, my own healing and my own trauma work. And that's a lot of work. And I haven't really been doing like a lot of fun things. So probably many of us, you know, it's, it's been a pandemic. So I've been trying to be better about, you know, planning, like intentionally planning fun times. I'm really hoping to go visit a friend in the desert in the fall. I'm really looking forward to these workshops that I talked about. I'm I'm putting a lot of effort into those and I'm excited to think that maybe I will be able to help other people learn about it, you know? I mean, even yeah. if it's like even if we help just one person, that that's so worth all the effort. Definitely. There's so many people that want to know more about how to help and support in this way it does seem like that which is so encouraging yeah that's true any favorite resources you want to share yeah there have been so many teachers along the way but molly dutton kenny is a really very wonderful midwife who's got a lot of offerings on her website let's see samantha zapora is a great resource she's her website also has tons of information and workshops yeah, she, I just discovered her. She's fantastic. Yeah, she is great. And then we didn't really touch on this, but I really, as, as part of, I should have mentioned this, you know, as part of spreading information about how safe and easy it is to have 
of an at-home medication abortion. I also feel like it's important to say that preventing a pregnancy is so much easier than undoing one. <laughs> so I think one of our one of our biggest like tools that we can be using is making sure that we understand our bodies. You know, making sure we can learn, okay, when do I actually ovulate and when does my fertile window open and close? Because the fertility awareness method is a really a great tool to learn. And a lot of people get like intimidated. And yes, there are a lot of rules to learn and it can be it's a lot to try to figure it out, but there are tons of people who are trained in how to help you learn. And one of those people is Sarah Merrick. So we can add that website to the show notes, but they're a great resource and, and have a really wonderful workshop on how to, how to learn how to do this. And they're also very inclusive as far as what language they use. And, you know, it, I mean, it's just, a, it's, they're so wonderful. So those are some of my resources. I love that. Thank you. And I know there's so many ways we could go. Is there other lingering thoughts, any questions I didn't ask that you want to touch on or teachers that you want to mention or just anything else that feels like needs to be brought to the surface? Hmm. Let me think for a second. You know, I guess one thing is we didn't mention privacy and I think that's really important to mention. So yeah, I mean, privacy specific to abortion could be its own episode. So this is by no means exhausted, but I think it's prudent to say that we live in an age of unprecedented surveillance. So that means don't think for a second that anything you look up on your phone, your computer, whatever is private. If you live in a state where abortion is restricted, don't think that Googling where to get misoprostol is private. I mean, cause you know, people have been prosecuted for that very thing. So yeah, use a VPN if there's sensitive information that you're trying to get. And this is something that I think a lot of people aren't aware of, but if you use a period tracking app, like Flow is really popular, don't think for a second that your personal information on there is not being shared. I mean, we already know that that information about your cycles has already been shared with data mining companies. And we suspect that this information could be used against someone in court. You know, for example, someone has a year's worth of periods tracked in the app, and all of a sudden there's no more period being recorded that could be used to prove that someone did in fact conceive. So this is another plug, you know, for learning to chart. Really the best thing in my opinion, as far as tracking fertility is learning how to actually do the fertility awareness method and, you know, just tracking it on paper. You know, if you do still use an app to track your cycle, the only one that I'm aware of that explicitly protects your privacy is called read your body. They, you know, they're, they're really big on privacy. So that's a good one to to check out. I'm sure there'll be other options, you know, as the landscape evolves, but for now, that's the only one that I know of. Yeah, thank you. That's, I think that is really important. And it just freaks me out. They can track when a woman gets pregnant, but we can't track when people are buying like these insane guns and going on shooting sprees. It's just so, it's so twisted. It's so twisted. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and it's, you know, it's never been about being pro-life. <laughs> it's about controlling other people's bodies. Yes. I mean, and it always has been, you know, people mm-hmm. like we've always been obsessed with policing other people's bodies. I mean, since, since this country began, you know, I mean, that's what it was founded on. Yeah. I, I also offer herbal consultations where I will sit down with you and kind of take a look at what is going on in your health picture and use herbs and nutrition and lifestyle tweaks to kind of help facilitate, you know, whatever direction we're trying to go in. And I, I do all kinds of, you know, issues, digestive issues and migraines and reproductive health issues, of course, but 
there's a couple areas that I am particularly passionate about. So one of which obviously is, is repro stuff, mm. but another is addiction, you know, supporting people, mm. their sobriety. I really love supporting people in their sobriety journey, you know, so the addiction piece is, is really a, a passion of mine. My partner is in recovery and I've learned so much about, about that through him. And chronic illness too is another passion of mine. I, I see a lot of chronic illness, you know, in, in these modern times, not always, but a lot of the time what I'm seeing is that there's a big trauma piece. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like trained in any particular way in being trauma informed, but it certainly is, it does inform the way that I view the body. Those are all ways that people can can work with me outside of, you know, birth, abortion, and miscarriage. Amazing. And do you have a website or a good way for people to contact you? I do. Yeah. The website is my name, bonniemackintosh.love. So <laughs> that's so much better. Yeah. It's a little, it's kind of sparkly and fun, you know? Yeah. I love that. But one person that does continue to inspire me is this lady, Heather Booth, who Mm. started what is called the Jane Collective. So if you've never heard of the Jane Collective, it's definitely worth looking up. Actually, there's a, I think it's on HBO. There's a film that just came out called the Janes, but someone who's an acquaintance of mine is related to her and was able to connect us and I, it was like talking to the closest thing that I've had to a hero. I mean, yeah. So in the, it was like 1968 or 1969, she was in college and she was a, an activist, a civil rights activist. And at one point, one of her friends in college was raped in her dorm room and they went to student services to get medical help and instead of you know doing like a medical exam her friend was lectured on promiscuity oh my god so she started to get involved in reproductive activism at the time and this was before roe v wade so at that time abortion was illegal everywhere so around this time a different one of her friends came to her and was like my sister is pregnant and she doesn't want to be. She is nearly suicidal. I figured I would ask you because you're, you know, an activist in this scene. Like, is there anything that you can do? So she was able to find this doctor who was willing to perform an abortion and it was successful. It went great. And then after that, I guess word got out and someone else came to her and then another person and another person and it became this thing. And so they, they organized themselves and, you know, got more and more people to, to help make this happen. But in the four or five years before Roe was passed, they successfully performed over 11,000 abortions in the Chicago area. And they only were, they only got in trouble with the law one time. The police came, I guess, to the apartment where you know, a lot of the organizing was happening. And at the time they, they kept the client's information on index cards. And when the police showed up, they ripped up all the index cards into little tiny pieces and swallowed them (laughs) (laughs) to protect the privacy of all those people. So while they were awaiting trial, Roe v. Wade was passed Mm. and the case got dropped. I mean, it's just, it's so incredible. She is such a, it's like when I think of someone who, who I like, when I'm like, God, where is my fire? Like, where is my, yes, where's my reason for continuing the good fight? I, it's like, I don't have any elders to look up to, but she's like the closest thing that I have. She said to me on the phone, she was like, three things like three things that I learned from this experience were sometimes you have to stand up to illegitimate authority Mm. which I think honestly that probably is my 
when you ask me about advice. Yeah. That's it. And I, yeah, I texted her when Roe v. Wade was overturned and I was like, Heather, what do we do? Yeah. (laughs) She said, she said, just pick an organization and get involved. So much matters right now. I think, yeah, just that's great advice from Heather Booth. Yeah, Heather Booth. Heather Booth. Yeah, get involved. And sometimes authority shouldn't have authority. And so you have to stand up to them. So I think that is great advice. Like, and the Colorado Doula Project is a great organization to join forces with. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there, that, that's an easy one, of course, for me to <laughs> recommend getting involved with, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are so many others too, you know, if you can organize, you can change the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Like yes. we can do anything, but we have to organize. If you can organize, you can change the world. That gives me chills. And I think it's such a good reminder. We have to unite and work towards something with so much zest and unity and work towards building something. Yeah. And the other thing that she said that stuck with me was she, I think I said something like, you know, how have you been able to be an activist for so long without getting burned out because burnout is such a common Mm -hmm. thing. He said, I viewed this as a long distance run, not a sprint. How Mm -hmm. can you do this for the rest of your life? And I think that's, that's a good reminder to us. Like this is, it's a marathon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You have to continually resource yourself, eat some Tulsi basil, have yes. some Tulsi tea, like do what you can to keep yourself resilient and resourced. The last thing that she said that I, I also think is like, we, or I forget, she said, you need to do it with love at the center for yourself and for mm-hmm. others. And she like, I think she expands on that in other places that you can like find her work. But I mean, that that's like what we're doing. You know, yeah. we're, we're doing this for the love of bodily autonomy, for the yeah. love of human rights. I think it's easy to get swept up by our anger and like mm-hmm. it is righteous anger. I think having love at the core is like what will keep that moving forward because without that, you get lost. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Bonnie, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all that wisdom and all those offerings and suggestions and yeah I'm so excited for for this to support people thank you so much for for asking me it's I mean I will talk anybody's ear off who's willing to listen (laughs) I love that thank you (laughs) Sarah I hope you have a really nourishing restful night thank you you too (laughs) I'll talk to you soon bye honey Wow, isn't Bonnie wonderful? Be sure to connect with her on Instagram at salt underscore witch, or you can visit her website at bonniemacintosh.love. And I will have a link in the show notes for both of those things and many other things as well. And you can connect with me on Instagram at time in the studio podcast or my website at timeinthestudio.com where you can grab my free tea ritual workbook and join the waitlist for my upcoming course on working with food as medicine, making your own non-toxic body care products, and working with plants creatively. I also have a class coming up next week, a workshop, one-day workshop at Rebecca's Apothecary uh, featuring um, how to nourish your gut to transform your health and this is the last time I will be offering that class online in that format so um, you want to be sure to check it out it's going to be on the 23rd of August and if you love this podcast and get something out of it and enjoy it please be sure to share it with a friend. You can also share it to your social media and tag me time at Time in the Studio 
podcast and I'll be sure to reshare it. Or you can leave a review where reviews are found on Apple Podcasts or Spotify now allows reviews, which is cool. And if you super duper love the podcast, you can join Patreon at www.patreon slash time in the studio. Thank you so much for being here and may our efforts benefit all beings. Take care until next week. <laughs>